What's up, everybody? You probably heard, my name is Zach Gershel, like two seconds ago. Um, a couple fun facts about me. Um, I've been attending res my whole life. I grew up here. I wasn't born here, but I came here shortly after. Um, and at one point, I had four fish tanks in my room that I was breeding shrimp and all kinds of stuff. It was pretty fun. Um, but I just want to let you know a little bit about me before I get into what I'm talking about. So today, I'm going to be talking to you about how I found my identity in submitting to Jesus. Um, so as I said earlier, I grew up in the church. I grew up um, through the nursery and then into the um, res kids in the junior high and into the high school. And growing up, I was like, all right. I started to get to know the Bible stories. And then I started to hear some that I knew before. And I was like, OK, I think I got the hang of this whole like God thing. I know, I know what Jesus is about. I've heard this before. Um, and then we would get to talking about being saved. And I accepted Jesus into my heart at a very young age. Um, I remember being around four years old and going into the living room where my parents were sitting and being like, hey, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And they're like, yeah, of course, Zach. Um, so because of that, I wasn't quite 100% sure what it was to be a new creation as I was growing up. So growing up in the church, I felt a lot of pressure to be um, a good Christian, and I put it all on myself of saying, all right, I got to make sure that I'm doing what's right. I got to make sure that I'm following all these things that I learned. Because so I was like, all right, I know the rules. I heard the stories. Now I just have to do it. Um, and this led to me constantly feeling like I wasn't enough and I wasn't the good Christian that I was called to be. And every time I messed up, it felt like it was like, a, like a huge thing. Like every time I mess up, I'm like, well, I guess I'm not a Christian anymore. I constantly had this lie in the head of like, am I really a Christian? Am I really following Jesus if I continue to like have problems? Um, so if anyone asked me, I'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I would go around and I believed in God and I was a Christian. Um, but I just had some pieces missing because I was trying to be a good Christian by myself. Um, so I continued to get to know Jesus and who he is, um, and God started to emphasize that new creation in me and being his son. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. And as we sit in that, it's the old has gone, and the new has come. The old self, the sin, is gone away, and you are a new person in Christ. I was trying to be a new person in myself. I was trying to take that weight upon myself and saying, all right, I know that I'm supposed to be a new person. Now I'm going to act like it. So God kind of told me at Encounter Night of Worship, I was on my knees, and I was praying, and he said, there's a puzzle in front of you, and over the years in church, you've been collecting all the pieces, but Zach, you just have to let me put that puzzle together. And I just got this beautiful picture of Jesus putting together this picture that I had been missing. Um, and I just realized Christ has been with me since I was young. He's been there the whole time. He loves me so much, and I am a son of God. 
and being a new creation, that is the Jesus inside of me. It's his spirit inside of me. I didn't need to be a new creation of myself. I had to trust God that he could overcome things for me instead of trying to overcome them myself. So that brings me to Romans 8, verses 14 and 15, where it says, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. I was trying to conquer that spirit of fear and the spirit of being held on to sin by myself. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap of you want to get over your sin yourself, no matter what it is. It's so easy to get caught in that, in that phase of, oh, I messed up. It's all right. I can do better next time. I can do better next time. I can do better next time. Instead of releasing it to God and allowing him to help you do better. And that's where I was missing that spot in my identity because I was putting all the weight on myself and I wasn't just trusting Jesus to find out who I am and living as a son. So with having that spirit of God inside of us, um, it gives us the power over our fears and our struggles. A lot of times, um, as soon as you just release that to God, that's where the freedom is found. Jesus is found. He is our freedom and trying to fight it on your own. It just, that's, that's not the way to do it. That's not the way that it works, but it's a trap that the devil wants to use. Um, and I think especially with people who have, who know all the stories and have heard a lot of the answers, um, it's easy just to check it off your list and say, all right, I've got that. I know how to live like that. But Jesus wants to take it for us. That's why he died on the cross was so that we could put our sin on him and his spirit can be in us. We cannot measure up to our fleshly desires by trying to fight using our flesh. We have to use the spirit inside of us, the spirit that came to us by Jesus giving up his sacrifice to fight our fleshly desires. Because this is a war of spirit against flesh. And if we try to use our flesh to beat out our own flesh, then it's never going to work. Our flesh is not on our side. If you go back to that verse, it talks about um, the spirit that makes us a slave to fear. That is our flesh inside of us that is constantly fighting against us. And we need the spirit of victory inside of us. And that is who we are. We are sons and daughters of Christ with Jesus Christ inside of us, the Holy Spirit inside of us to fight our battles with us. It's not on our own. All we have to do is lay down the control to Jesus and give it to him to be able to follow him. Romans 8, 6, and 7 said, The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. We need to submit to God to overcome our sinful nature. I was talking about the war of flesh and spirit and trying to fight that war with your flesh, but it says that this mind of the sinful man is death. So if we live in our flesh, in our sinful bodies, that mind is death. We need the mind controlled by the spirit. We need the spirit inside of us 
who is who we are. We are made new with the spirit of life and peace inside of us. So that way we can submit to God's law and follow him. Um, we can't fight this battle on our own. We need Jesus inside of us. Um, it's not all on us. We're broken people in a broken world, and we need Jesus to make us whole. So if we know the answers, it's not going to work. What we need is we need to submit to Jesus to find who we are. Our, de our identity should not be in our performance or what people think of us, but it should be knowing that we are children of God and the Spirit of God is inside of us. Um, so that's pretty much what I got. Lastly, I'm just going to pray it out. Lord, thank you so much for just being inside of us and for dying on the cross so that way we can live in new life that's found in you, Lord. We give up control to you because we are not the masters of our own lives. We are servants to you because your way is so much higher than our way, Jesus. We just pray that we can find you more and more and lean into you who is living inside of us, Jesus. I thank you so much for the love and the peace that you pour out on us. And I thank you that we have found our answer and it is in you, Lord. We are sons and daughters of you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I would like for you guys to welcome Shekinah as she comes up. She's going to be speaking next. activity real quick from my church roots. Um, so touch or look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look good. You look good. You look good. Yes. Sometimes we need that reminder. You know what I'm saying? So y'all look good. Y'all are beautiful people. So yeah, clap it up for yourselves. Clap it up for yourselves. Yes. Now clap it up for Jesus because he's worthy. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All right, so tonight I want to share with you about seeing myself as God sees me instead of how I saw myself through the lens of rejection for most of my life. So if I was to have a subtopic, I would say seeing yourself as God sees you. So um, I grew up in Georgia with both of my parents in household. They were great parents. But whenever I did something wrong or made a mistake, my dad rejected me but not, by not talking to me for like a few days. So like for instance, uh, when I got a low grade on my report or something like that, my report card, you know, he had a harsh conversation with me. He was very disappointed. I was already disappointed within myself, so, you know, we both just feeling the type of way. So, um, you know, even after I said how I would turn that grade around and whatnot, um, you know, we would talk about that, move on. So I would go to him and try to talk about something else, ignore me. So that would go for, like, three days. And so it was a pattern of that. So every time I made a mistake or every time I did something wrong, that would happen. And so that led to self-hate, which led me to depression. So even after the passing of my father from cancer, I still wrestled with that root of rejection. 
And so after a while, God began to, began to reveal to me that I viewed God the same way as I viewed my father, which was through that lens of rejection. So instantly I was like, you know, that's a distorted view, and it's a lie from the enemy, and I need to change my view of God because he is my perfect father. I just needed to believe it for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So um, by the grace of God, I had so many seeds planted in my life um, through scriptures, through affirmations from my mom and others I looked up to. Um, I attended a Christian school in Georgia. So, you know, we had to recite that word and do those Bible tests for that good A. So um, so after all of that, all of the receiving um, and the knowing about God's love, I still didn't believe it for myself. So I was still wrestling with that rejection. So fast forward, I moved to Detroit with my mom. Yes, the D, the city, West Soy. Okay. Anyways, um, graduated from high school. Um, I attended Grand Valley State University. Go Lakers. Uh, No Lakers in here? Yes, 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 yes. We love to hear it. Okay. um, I connected with a mentor um, through a Christian conference I attended called Ignite. So she helped me to go through and receive inner healing and deliverance that helped me to forgive my dad first. And then, you know, I also began to notice that the spirit of rejection broke off in my life. And for the first time, I myself saw God as I saw myself as God saw me. And I began to see God in his fullness and recognize that he is a perfect father and that nothing, I mean, nothing by any means can separate me from his profound love. So um, I knew without a shadow of a doubt. And so in that knowing, I began to rejoice. I began to have joy. And so um, now that I began to see myself as God saw me, um, the Holy Spirit began to lead me to do some affirmations. And I was like, affirmations? Like, okay. Um, And so I began to encourage myself in the Lord. And so I put some sticky notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can keep that right there. That's cool. Um, I began to put some sticky notes on my mirror and recited them as often as I could. And so when I first wrote them out, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to do this because you told me, but this feels like really weird. So I put them on the mirror, um, and it was like the Holy Spirit told me to say them like every morning and every night. And so I started in the morning, and so it was just like just to list some few. I'm like, okay, I'm the righteousness of God. Okay, I'm the head and not the tail. Okay, I walk in purity. Okay, I, um, I have the mind of Christ. It was just real humdrum because it felt weird. But the Holy Spirit brought to the scripture to my Romans 10, 17, that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more that I said those affirmations that lined up with the word, my faith would increase. So, um... You know, I began to say them more and more and more. And so my faith began to increase. And so I noticed the way that I carried myself, it was a little different now. It was like in stages. And so um, I just kept saying them, kept saying them, kept saying them by faith. I said them in the morning. Sometimes I said them at night if I didn't go to sleep too early. But I said them at night as much as I could and said them mostly in the morning. And then also God brought another scripture to me, um, Proverbs 18 and 21. And it says, death and life lies in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So the Lord is just telling me, like, you're speaking life to yourself, and you're, you're um, attaching faith to your life, and you're speaking the word over your life. So you're going to get through this. And so I began to believe and receive the affirmations that I said. It was one morning I looked in the mirror and I was like, I am the righteousness of God. I am the head and not the tail. I am walking in purity. I am loved. I'm accepted in the beloved. And it was just like I was shocking myself like, ooh, go here, girl. Like, yes, you are, you are. <laughs> and 
so I began to be built up, and so I began to walk more even around campus wherever I was with my head held up, head held high. I wasn't looking all down low and whatnot. I just had confidence, nothing in pride and haughtiness, but just that confidence in the Lord because I began to believe what he said about me. And so um, lastly, the last thing that I did was I started praying in the spirit more. So I started praying in tongues. And so um, the scripture Jude 1 and 20 says, building up my most holy faith by praying in the spirit. So I started praying in my car (laughs) in the spirit. I started praying on campus. I was praying at home. I mean, you know, on campus I ain't do it too loud because I ain't want to look crazy. But I still started praying more. And I noticed that my faith was built up even the more and that even truth was revealed by Holy Spirit because he leads us and guides us into all truth. And so um, lastly... I pressed into the presence of God in spite of how I felt. Like, have y'all ever worshipped, but you ain't really feel like worshiping? Like, you know, you had to press into it a little bit more. You may have to say a couple more hallelujahs. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but you had to press into it. But I, once I pressed into the presence of God, I really felt his anointing on me and his presence on me. And because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So I began to keep pressing into the presence of God. Keep putting on that sacrifice, uh, giving up that sacrifice of praise. I even um, put on the garment of praise. And that helped to shake off the spirit of heaviness off of my life. And I noticed the depression leaving. I noticed the the self-hate leaving and, and the shame and the rejection and the things of my past. That began to to shake off of me because I offered up that garment of praise, and we know that praise confuses the enemy. So um, just having that praise and that worship and that thanksgiving and also thanking God for healing me, I began to set free, be, be set free. So I was set free, and I began to receive and believe the abundant love of Christ towards me. And I truly believed and finally received my identity in Christ. And that was the best day that I ever experienced. I noticed things that were shaking off of me. I was made whole. I believed what the Lord truly said about me, y'all. Like, I was set free. Like, that that was just the best day. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm just running around the house praising God. Um, And so lastly, um, it's a scripture that says in Job 22 and 28, if we decree a thing, it shall be established. So I want us to do something. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? I want us to do an activity, and I want us to say some decrees on tonight. Um, because I feel like decreeing those things, it shall be established. It was established for me, and it shall be established for you because he is no respecter of persons. So um, I'm going to say it, and then y'all repeat after me. That's all right with y'all? Okay, cool. So the first one is, I am loved by God. I am the object of his affection. I have purpose. I am not a mistake. I am accepted in the beloved. I have the mind of Christ. I receive God's love for me. I do not live in fear. I walk by faith. Now give God praise because you know that he is worthy. Believe it. Y'all said it. Believe it that God will do that for you because he is faithful to do what he has promised. So please feel free to take a picture of these affirmations or come up with some on your own to say in the morning and night and believe what the Lord has said about you. Amen and amen. So now we'll have beautiful Kimmy to come up. (laughs) Yes, give it up for it.
I'm going to bring the energy level down a little bit. <laughs> Shekinah, that was great. You had me smiling the whole time. <laughs> All right. So before I start, I'm just going to pray really quick. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this room, God, and we pray that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, God, and the eyes would be open, hearts would be open, God, and the ears would be open to hear and receive your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Shekinah and Zach said really fun things about themselves, and I realized that I don't really have a fun thing to say about myself, but a fun thing to say about myself is I love Nike shoes. Anybody else? Praise the Lord for Nike shoes and Crocs and Crocs. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So today I want to share with you guys um, my testimony of identity and also how I sought, found, and live out my true identity. Um, and I believe that there are some very practical tools in this that you guys can take home to do the same thing. So I just want to say when I started truly seeking out who I was about two and a half years ago, almost three years, it was a process and a journey that I'm still going on, but it was very pivotal in my walk with God. So my first thing that I did was I found truth throughout scripture. So truth is all up in scripture. Hebrews 12:4 says, the word of God is alive and active. Therefore, the things that you read in scripture is alive and it's active and it's truth. So a little shout out to the discipleship program. In the discipleship program, they teach you um, like a highlighting system and a system to actively read and understand your Bible. And so you create your own. And so for mine, I have um, red highlighted is true identity. And so whenever you're flipping through my Bible and you see red highlight, it is true identity about myself. And so as you're, as you're reading in scripture, like if you're looking for something, you know you'll find it, right? Because we seek and we find. And so as you're reading scripture and you're seeking out identity, you'll find it. It's all over the place. In Matthew 5, 14, it says you are the light of the world. John 6, 27 says the Father himself loves you, which means that I am loved by the Father. In Ephesians 2, 10, 2, 10 it says we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus, and we are created for good work. Ephesians 1, 3, we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Colossians 1, 14, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1, 22, we are holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And James 2, 23 says we are a friend of God. So the first step that's very easy is as you're reading scripture, look for the truth because truth is all over scripture. The second thing that I started to do was to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We all know that verse, right? So let's read the whole thing. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Um, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So I normally read in the ESV, but then I looked it up in the NIV as well, and it says we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if it's not obedient to Christ, we take it, right, and we make it so that it is obedient to Christ. Um, and I'm sure many of you know the enemy loves to attack in lies. How many of you have ever believed a lie? A lie about yourself all of the time. And we see it so much in our generations. Like nobody knows who they are. 
And the enemy tells us these lies and he twists it up so that we destroy our own selves with our minds, with these lives that we believe. Um, so I have a very personal example that I want to share with you guys and to walk through with you kind of how I personally like deal with that. So a lie that the enemy has tried to tell me literally within the last month is that I'm only good for planning, organizing, and cleaning. Am I good for these things? Yes. Yes, I am. Do I love to do these things? Yes. Yes, I do. Am I gifted from the Lord in those areas? Yes. So how can such a positive thing that the Lord has given to me be twisted with just a few words by the enemy? So he says that there is nothing else that I'm good for, and that's all that I'll ever be able to do. No, that's a lie, right? So how do I know that that's a lie? There's two ways that I've found very well to recognize lies, and one is to look for them and to not be oblivious to the own thoughts in your mind, right? Take every thought captive, not just some of them, to take every thought captive, and if it is not aligned with the Word of God and if it does not align to the character of God, it's probably a lie. The second one is having a 242 community who knows you deeply and who can see into your life and who you've given permission to call up you in those areas. And so sometimes we get so caught up in our sin that we can't even see the lies that we're believing or we've been believing a lie for so long that we don't even really know that it's actually a lie. And so having a 242 community, right, friendships devoted to Jesus and the spiritual disciplines to be able to call you up in your identity, say, hey, Kimmy, I realize like this is a lie that you're probably believing about yourself in. And so that's not who you are. And so this is who you are to believe that. And so when you partner with a lie from the devil, that is a sin. I'm going to say it again. When you partner with a lie from Satan, that's a sin. Sin is something that separates you from God, whether you do it on purpose or natural default. Believing a lie is not an act of bringing you closer to God. Therefore, it's separating you. So it's a lie. And that, that blew my mind. I was like, I can't, like, believing a lie about myself is sin? No, it's not. It is. That was a lie that the enemy put in my head. That believing a lie wasn't a sin. Yeah, you know. So when we recognize a lie and it's brought to our attention, God has a loving conviction that he brings up sin. He brings up these lies so that we would draw near to him, right? James 4, 8 says, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So for me, I have this lie, right? So what do I do with it? I, I journal. I'm a, very, I'm a journaler. I love to journal. Anybody else like to journal? Okay, journaling was my way of doing this. It still is my way of doing this. So I write down and I say, God, I'm believing the lie that I'm only good for planning, organizing, and cleaning. And then I ask God, what is the truth about this lie or what would you like to speak to me about this? So in this scenario, he led me to Ecclesiastes 4, 6. And it says, better is one handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. And so in this exact instant, it's not necessarily a, a complete truth that combats the lie, right? For example, if a lie that I was believing was, I'm not beautiful, a, a truth that completely combats that is, I'm made in the image of God, which is perfect. And so I was like, okay, what do I do with this? So I meditate on the verse, I activate the verse, and I allow God to speak into my life more. 
And so as I'm meditating on this, or he says a, a, a handful of quietness is better than two hands full of striving after the wind and toil. And so I make more room in my life to, to be in quietness, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And in this, I realize that I am meant to sit at the feet of Jesus, and that I'm made to be still, and I'm made to be and not to just do. And so after I get those truths right, we have to not forget to repent for believing the lie because believing lie is a sin. And so this practically looked like for me, like going before Jesus and saying like, Jesus, I'm sorry for believing this lie about myself. And instead I choose to believe the truth that you say about me. So Ephesians 6, 11 through 17, Shekinah was talking about it earlier, the armor of God. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So then if you skip a little bit forward, it says, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, which is so important, right? So we're dealing with these lies, but when we have the belt of truth buckled on, we are able to stand firm in the truth and to not believe those lies. And we can use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to gain the truth. So my third point is moving it from your head to your heart. Everyone point to your head. Moving it from your head to your heart. So I'm a very visual learner, and so... Typically, for me, what I do is when I get these new truths, I begin to write them down on index cards that say, I am, and whatever the truth is. I have a picture of one. My most recent one is, I am good ground. Everyone say, I am good ground. So I began to stick them on my wall, and God gave me this phrase to put at the center of the wall, and the phrase is, like daddy, like daughter. And so practically, when you're born, you gain characteristics from your, your earthly father, I have my dad's nose. So just like that, like we all gain characteristics from our heavenly father and every good thing that he has for us is for us. And so Genesis 1:27, we are created in his own image, in the image of God, he created us. And I don't think that that's just limited to physical things. I think that that's who we are deep down inside. I think that that's the character. And I think that the characteristics of God that he acquires, he has for us because we are his children. In Romans 3, or that says that in Romans 3.23, that we will always fall short of the glory of God, but he has good things for us. So what I'm saying is that God is a loving, caring, gracious father who wants good things for his sons and daughters, and he has called us these things and given us these qualities and characteristics that we would do his will, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, which is God, and so in his, or, sorry, in us, he is working for his good. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, Now the God of peace who brought against from again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of eternal covenant, has equipped you with every good thing that you may do his will, which in us or working in us, which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So when you know who you are and you're living it out, you first gain a confidence that you were meant to live in. And you second begin to step out in the obedience to what God has called you to do because you have the confidence and you trust that God who is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he is, will do what he says he does because discovering the identity of yourself is discovering the identity of God. Because like daddy, like daughter, like son, we get it from our father above. So I have some pictures of, of my wall from when I started it to where it is now. And so in the, picture, in the picture, all the way to the left, it was about a few months in. I had 20 
and the one in the middle has about 100, and then the one all the way to the right is the most recent picture of this wall that I've, that I've added on to over the past three years. And God had given me this, this phrase of, Kimmy, when you're looking into this, in, on this wall, you're looking into a mirror. Everything on this wall is reflected in your character, and it is what you are capable of being. So my last point is to be persistent and to not give up. You don't have to work for your, for your identity because it's already inside of you. God has already given it to you. You just have to be intentional about discovering it, claiming it, and living it out. You have these great things, right? But until you pick them up and you use them, they're pretty useless. And so it takes time, it takes consistency, it takes commitment, and it takes a willing heart. Right? Going through all of those lies can be very difficult. It's not necessarily an easy thing, but I promise you that when you are consistent and you're committed into pursuing your true identity, that it's completely worth it. And if we don't know who we are, how can we help the world see who they are? So with that, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to wrap up. So Jesus... We thank you so much for the words that were spoken tonight. God, I pray that your name would be glorified in this room. God, the identities, true identities would be restored in every single person in this room. God, that they would take what was spoken tonight and they would equip it in their rooms, God, in their quiet place, that they would spend more time seeking after you, who you have called them to be, God, and that they would live it out, that it would not just be something that they know, but that it would be the reflection of their heart, which is action, God, and that they would act it out every single day in their life, God, that they would truly live as sons and daughters of Jesus, of God. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done tonight, Holy Spirit, and we just pray that you would continue to take us deeper deeper than we've ever thought of. God, and I just pray right now that um, our hearts would be open, God, and that none of us would think that this is for our neighbor, God, but this is for each one of us. This is for me. This is for you, and that we will never know who we truly are completely until we are standing face-to-face -face with you, Jesus. So we love you. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.